I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Many of you don't know this, but as I uh, planted the church in St. Louis there, I began working on my master's at Liberty University for a degree in clinical and mental health counseling for state licensure to open up some other opportunities in the gospel. And as I began to counsel people at our church there, uh, you know, in the, in the issues in life, uh, God began to sh- start to shape a counseling model. And I want us to see tonight from the Bible, I've entitled the message, The Church, God's Consistent Counseling Center. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through number 20, the Bible says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness, with greediness, and verse number 20 says this, but ye have not so learned Christ. Let's say that together. But ye have not so learned Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, make your word profitable in our hearts tonight as we look to you. God, you have a plan for mankind. You have a plan for your church. And God, you have a plan for growth and change right here in Springfield, Missouri, in the 21st century. And God, would you reveal your model to us tonight? I pray that if there's someone here that's not saved, they'll understand who Jesus is and what he can do for them eternally by giving them a home in heaven. But God, also, I pray that you'd help us to be involved in your work where you're at today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, there are uh, competing models of counseling ministries out there today. I've discovered there are a lot of models. In fact, there are over 550 types of theories of counseling, uh, and most of them are an amalgam of many different types of counseling. And so one has to begin to wonder uh, if there's so many competing uh, views of counseling, which one do I use? You know, there was, was there a, 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 a model for counseling in the 19th century that uh, maybe the 21st century, this model of counseling and helping uh, people to grow and change, is there a different one today? Or, or is there something universal and consistent with the nature of mankind, with God's plan for people in the 19th century and people in the 21st century? And of course, you know the answer this evening is that God has a plan. God's primary model for growth and change in the 21st century is through Christ and His church. Now, I understand there are models of uh, biological uh, biology that maybe we don't understand. And there are there is certainly a place for understanding medicines and biologies of people. But we have to differentiate tonight that we're talking about growth and change in a counseling model where God's people can 
truly and genuinely make a difference to the people of this world, not everyone in the world understands God's methods of growth and change. In fact, here recently, I've been doing a little drywall to uh, keep the food on the table these days, and I was at a job not too far from here, maybe five miles from here, and I, uh, I got a phone call, and I, I'm going to be honest with you who this is tonight. Uh, it was my daughter, Caitlin, okay, and I'm not telling you this for her detriment, so don't feel sorry for her. I think this was a, a mark of maturity when you hear the story. Caitlin was in, uh, uh, you've met her last week, Caitlin was in Miami all summer witnessing to Jewish people, and she, for the last three summers, she's been uh, working and witnessing uh, to a Jewish man who needs to understand the gospel, but he's, he's dead set on working his way to heaven. And so Caitlin's had a burden for him. Caitlin's prayed with him. And I get a call from Caitlin, and she tells me, Dad, they're in there. I said, who's in there? My friends, they're in there. Where are they at? And they tell me, you know, she, they, they, she had said that during this time, her, uh, the rest of her roommates and all of the people that were down there were witnessing to this guy. They were going to try another angle. And I said, well, that's great, Caitlin. And she said, well, no, it's not. I said, what do you mean? It's not great. It's not? She goes, well, I don't know how to say it, but should I feel this way? What do you mean? Well, I, I kind of don't want him to get saved because I want to be the one to tell him how to get saved. <laughs> and, you know, all kidding aside, you know, most of us just think that, don't we? We never voice it. And Caitlin had the mature, maturity enough to think through the situation and to seek help in the area that she was feeling. She felt something and she went to... Her dad, which happened to be a preacher, and she says, is this right? You know what it feels like. And, and, and I said, well, Caitlin, what you're experiencing is jealousy. <laughs> and she said, well, and then she kind of, you know, she just kind of said, well, no, it's just that. And, and she gave me a couple more things, and I said, no, 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 Caitlin, it is. It's jealousy. You're envious of your people giving the gospel because you want the credit, and you know, I began to give her some verses about laborers together with the Lord and one sows and another, you know, one waters and one sows, but God gives the increase. And, and she was like, well, yeah, but, and I said, no, 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 Caitlin, no, no, no. You have to die to yourself. And, and, and she knew what I was talking about. About this time, the conversation began to pick up a little bit. And you know, fathers and daughters, we have that bonding relationship. We can talk plainly one with another. How many of you got that relationship at your house going on? <laughs> you, you, don't have to, you don't have to just uh, tiptoe through the tulips, right? You can, you can just say it. You can just go right there and say it. It was a hot, hot summer day, and I remember pulling up to this house uh, that I was about ready to go in and do some drywall in. The people were inside. I went and I parked under uh, my normal spot there, and the, I remember the lady's uh, car was back here and uh, in the shade tree, and I really, I didn't see what was going on, just knew there was a bunch of people in the house, and the conversation began to pick up, and she kind of gave me some rebuttals, and we were just having a father-daughter conversation there, and I said, no, 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 you like need to mortify the flesh. You need to kill the old man. 
And she said, well, Dad, but I said, no, kill the old man. I have my windows down at this point in time. Caitlin says, you're right, Dad. Thank you. I love you. I said, you're welcome. I love you, too. Hung up the phone. Got out of my door, my truck door there. Saw the own homeowner's teenage daughter out of the corner of my eye with her car window down to, listening to the whole conversation, thinking, I wonder what she thinks I'm saying. <laughs> what does she think? Hey, every, not everyone's going to understand God's model of growth and change. And in Ephesians, we, we begin to see that God has a very... A unique model of growth and change that answers all the questions that we would look to in a counseling ministry in life. You know, God intends every member to be a minister in his church. Did you know that? Tonight, I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 15 and verse number 14. Romans in chapter 15 and verse number 14, the Bible says, Paul writes... And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren. The Apostle Paul writing to a church that he's never met, but knows their reputation. That ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. That word admonish is the word where we get the word nuthetic. It's the Greek word nuthetic. It's where the uh, the root term nuthetic counseling comes from, by, uh, sponsored by Jay Adams, really uh, brought to you by the Bible. But uh, Paul thinks that church members are able, they're filled with knowledge. We have a revelation that they're able to begin to count a counseling ministry in his local church. You know, every, there's a, a book I've been reading, Modern Psychotherapy is a Comprehensive Christian Appraisal. I'll, I'll quote that a lot here. But this book says, Every theory or method of people helping carries with it a system of beliefs, a way of seeing and understanding people, who they are, and why they've experienced what they do, and how they can change and what they should be aiming for in life. And you know, the Bible answers just those questions. You know, this, uh, this chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, I've entitled this uh, in uh, uh, my, my own little studies, the uh, growth and change chapter in the Bible. Many words in the Bible, there are many dimensional, the language is dimensional, grow up, or, uh, or um, the words far above, perfecting, or mature, or stature, or fullness, or not to be children, or there's a maturing process that God is trying to help us understand that here is how we grow and change. In fact, if you were to outline the book of Ephesians chapter 4, I kind of outlined it this way. Normally preach it this way, but in verses 1 through 6, you see the problem. They were, there was a need to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. How many know relationships can be problems at times? <laughs> That's uh, like number one. And then God gives his prototype. He gives a prototype of how to grow and change in verses 7 through 16. And God's prototype of how he would use the model, what he would use for, uh, primarily for growth and change throughout the centuries was his church. His church. 
verses 7 through 16. And then it tells us the process of how to grow and change, verses 17 through 24. And then I like when God just get, makes it real practical in verse 25 on. He just tells us that we're to put off and put on. And then he gives us the specifics. Wherefore, put away lying and tell the truth. <laughs> you know, as he that stole, let him steal no more. And let him rather work with his hands and labor. The thing that's good. You know, God... Uh, wants us to grow and change. And in this chapter, God uh, has outlined how to grow and change. And he's outlined this counseling model. Another quote in the book is, is, are the counseling models today, no, like where the world goes? How many of you know the world is looking for answers today? Counseling is, uh, I mean, people, you know, it used to be when people had a problem, they'd go to a preacher. Today, when people have a problem, I'm not talking about maybe people here, maybe we know a little better, but I'm just talking about, for the most part, in the United States of America, in the, the day and age in which we live, they go to a counselor. They want somebody else. They want something other than, they've been seduced to think that the deeper problems in life can only be handled by a counselor. And I want to help us see some of these methods and, mod and the models of counseling, how they are seduced this evening. This book, Modern uh, Psychotherapy, say that is counseling a religion? Is it really? It's almost become a religion. We also believe that psychologists do not have the final word in understanding humanness, suffering, and uh, suffering and growth. If anything, psychologists have been saying too much and the populace has been listening too much. It is no wonder that many today describe psychologists as the secular priest of our age. By the way, do you know how many psychologists it takes to change a light bulb? Just one. It's going to cost a whole lot of money. It's going to take a whole lot of time, and the light bulb has to want to change. <laughs> so is, uh, is, is it really, is there a method of science that can prove the measurements of the heart growth? Is, that's what they claim. That's what psychology as a body has claimed. By the way, there are some good psychologies, educational psychology, where things that you actually can measure, but uh, there are some things that psychology has claimed that, that really, they're, they're, they're false. They really can't measure heart growth and change or tell what's actually changing, and with all the different philosophies, and uh, they, they would say, well, this is measured science. The book also says, thus, if the requirement for coherence as a science is uniform methodology, then psychology would never be a coherent science. We must use a different method to study neurons and multiple personalities. You understand, there, it's okay to use science, but I'm afraid uh, you know, many of the scientists have taken the role of religion, almost. Uh, they've said, you, you need to look to us to, you know, there's, it's what we call the medical model of, uh, of counseling today. They really, they leave out God. They act as if we only have a body when man is a trichotomous being. 
man is not just a body. In fact, in just the opposite, man is a spiritual being, and God is a spiritual being. And man was made in the likeness of God, and after his image made he man, and he happens to have a body. It's really just the opposite of that. And so I'm not dogging the biology of, uh, and, the, and the, the common grace to mankind. I want people to get help that need help. And it can be a little fuzzy sometimes. They, they draw the lines a little differently. I just want to help us to learn. Now, I have seven points here, and I'm not concerned that we get through these. I just want us to get the point in Ephesians chapter number 4. Notice seven essential elements for effect, an effective counseling model. God li- lines it out here. He answers all the questions. Number one. I see in verse number 4 and 5, I see the element of ethnicity. Now, all the buzzword in psychology and all the buzzword in counseling today is to have a multicultural counseling model. We, in other words, how many understand that people need to counsel people? And when people don't like people, there's not going to be any help or growth and change. And we would agree on that level. We would actually agree that uh, there can't be racism or divides. Or, but did you know in verses 4 through 5, God gives a, an even uh, better model of uh, this ethnicity or this multicultural counseling model? He says there is one body. One of the goals of the book of Ephesians is that the Apostle Paul started this church, stayed there for three and a half years, warned night and day that grievous wolves would come in, not sparing the flock, and Paul... Uh, uh, is trying to uh, write back to, to mend the division of the Gentile believers and, and, and really the rest of the church. And he's saying, hey, there, I know you live in this wicked city where the goddess of Diana is present. I know there's a temple right here in your own city, but hey, we're not going to follow after the way of the Gentiles. That's a true multicultural counseling model where God accepts the person's ethnicity and not the misbehavior of a nation. That's God's model. In fact, we read in verses 17 through 20 uh, that we're not to tolerate the way of the Gentile. He says, you not so learn Christ. So God has a true ethnicity uh, essential element is ethnicity. Number two, it's epistemology, the element of epistemology. Now, that's a big word, and I just want to make them all say the letter E. Okay, so here's what it means. Counseling gets their truth from somewhere. All counseling models get their truth from somewhere. So I have a right to ask, where did you get that? In other words... If something is true and it will help me grow and change, where did you get that and what is your source of truth? Just very quickly, there are are basically four different methods of understanding where truth comes from. There's the intuitive knowledge, there's the authoritarian knowledge that's intuitive, I know it intuitively, like women's intuition, right? We, We get truth or truth is knowable from these methods or uh, or there's the logical knowledge, or there's the empirical knowledge. And, and empiricism is the buzzword of the day. Oh, it needs to be proven. But my question is that in your methods of, of, of study and your source of truth, 
are those methods of knowing truth about uh, the heart of man, are they sufficient to measure the hearts of men? Are they sufficient? Or, or are you just giving me your best guess? There are 50, 550 models of uh, counseling theory because they just don't know. They keep stabbing it in the dark. They keep saying, well, try this one if that one don't work. And, and I, I'll tell you, I'm almost through my uh, studies at Liberty University, and I keep waiting for, like, uh, the, the golden dagger saying, I was wrong. And, you know, the more I study, the more I find out, they're going to tell me all along the way in my secular studies there, we really don't know. So I'm going to ask you, where's a good model of epistemology? You know, it is the Word of God, the revelation of God. How do we know about the heart of man? You know, man looks on the outward appearance, and that's their best attempt today, but God looks on the heart. Man is doing his best, and, and bless his heart, he's trying to help people. I, I, I'll even say his motives are pure. He's making idolaters out of them, because when you start with a model without God, and you end with a model without God, the best you can do is make somebody an idolater. And so, epistemology, uh, God has his method of, of source of truth. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piece, piercing even asunder, dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, they're trying their best. At John chapter 17, 17, sanctify them through thy word, thy word is is truth. Hey, let's go to the Old Testament here. Psalm 19 and verse number 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And if you look in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew, it says psyche. You know, God's model of psychology is better than man's model. God knows our heart. He knows our soul. God can convert our psyche, our soul. He can convert who we are. And the Bible says in this method of truth that in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 15, it says this, but speaking the truth in love. So speak the truth. So how do we know the truth? Because God revealed it to us. We're doing good on time. We're going to keep moving here. Another quote from the book I, I already referenced, the varied theories and techniques are derived for the most part from clinical experience, from reflection rather than deductively from scientific axioms or from systematic empirical research, this helps to explain the pro, uh, proliferation of therapy approaches. Now, I'm going to stop and <laughs> look, I don't normally preach like this. I hope you know this. This is just my burden tonight. Like I'm really, uh, normally I'm going to give you like three peas and a poem and we'll go home, okay? But, <laughs> but tonight I just want you to know it's just a part of me. I have a burden and a passion that we uh, step up in this day and age in the 21st century and take the helm of the growth and change model, God's sanctified model 
the church and that uh, if you have a burden and you feel like God can equip you to help somebody else, that you just see your pastor after this and say, hey, what's the next step? What do I do next? What kind of training? There are training models out there that can train people in the local church and there's certification that can help you to learn the Word of God with theological exams and hours of counseling that you can do under uh, under uh, you know, observation and just see, see pastor after that and he'll help you in the next steps here. I just have a burden for tonight. But number three, we have the right emphasis. Do you know there's counseling models out there that they shoot at nothing or they shoot with the wrong goals? Look at verse number 13. Verse number 13, it says in the church part of the Ephesians chapter 4, it says, until we all come to the unity of the faith... And the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God's goal for growth and change is that every person on planet earth, he predestined this, that every person would grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I realize we're all at different levels here today, but it's God's goal for growth and change. You know, there's the old fellow Sigmund Freud, and that's what many of the counselors, they get their models from these fathers of psychology, from these uh, skewed methods that start with without God. But Sigmund Freud, I want you to just, I just want to reveal something to you uh, tonight that I think will help undermine uh, what this guy's doing or where these models are coming from. Sigmund Freud had some ideas. He he basically divided man into three kinds, uh, three parts, the id, the ego, and the superego. And these are just made-up terms, so it's really not important that you memorize them, but other than to have a, a working knowledge of what's actually going on. The id was man's emotions or drives. The ego was the rules that society held them to and our conscience. So far, he's right. We all have a conscience. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that our conscience... Uh, excuses or accuses us. We, uh, we have a conscience and that's where we act. We say, it's right with me, it's right with my conscience. But you know what, Sigmund Freud, he also said that we have this thing called our superego. Without going into great details, it was our, our sense of right and wrong that was acquired from our parents. And the idea of growth and change, the goal of growth and change, is that when you want to do something immoral... In Sigmund Freud's counseling model, if you'd like to commit adultery, the idea is that you'd be able to uh, squelch your conscience just enough, throw out uh, the, uh, the, the rules of society, and when you can commit adultery and throw out mom and dad's rules or, or what you had thought was right and wrong in the past, if you can do that, then you're healed. If you can feel good about it. Because it's this dissidence inside of us that really is the, uh, that keeps you from being whole. By the way, we'll never be whole without holiness. We'll never be whole without God's holiness. This counseling model misses the mark. But the Bible says that he wants us to be conformed to the image of Christ. That we have a source of truth. That he wants to place the right emphasis I love what 
uh, what Galatians 4.19 says, until Christ be formed in you. That was Paul's goal. Christ formed in you. Not so that you can feel good about your immoral life. God gives us a method to get right with him. He gives forgiveness of sins so that we can have a clean conscience, not a squelched conscience, not a deadened conscience. Number four, the equipper. We're doing good on time. I think we're going to make it. I think we're going to make it. The equipper. Look at verse number 11 through 12. Now, I know that we look at this chapter and we typically just talk about the church, and, but I'm bringing in some 21st century application of opposite religions, of countercultural, uh, of a countercultural look at what the Bible is saying about the church. And I know I'm bringing a paradigm to it, but I think I'm staying true to the text tonight. How many would agree with that? Isn't that what God said? Growing and changing? Isn't that what counseling is? Isn't that what God wants in Ephesians chapter 4? Look at 11 through 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, God gives us an equipper. He gives us a pastor. He gives us teachers to help guide us in. Today's models of counseling, they, they call it a client-centered model. And Carl Rogers was the uh, father of the client-centered model. He would, uh, he would lead his, and I've, it's on YouTube. You can look at him actually doing it. But as long as the client you know, tells the direction of the counseling session that they want to go, the, this is all you have to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And how does that make you feel? You heard that, right? That's what he does. I, I, I watched one counseling session. It just made me sick. This woman is wanting to commit adultery, and yet she doesn't want her children to know about it because she thinks that they're going to look at her bad because it's, it's right or wrong, and, her, and she's teaching them that it's wrong, but she likes the way this makes her feel, and she's telling him, and he's going, mm-hmm. So how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no equipper. There's no one saying, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, that's probably not going to be healthy in the long run for you. You know, the equipper, you know, if it feels good, do it. Another quote, it says, all too often psychology, the goal for clients are to become well-adjusted, to do one's best at a purely human level, and rather than radically realigning of one's life to the claims of Christ. So they, as long as you can do it and feel good as a human, that's the goal. Number, number five, we have enabling. Enabling. Look at verse number 16. Verse number 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase in the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so here's what happens when, when you seek to be a blessing to someone else, when you seek to help someone else, when you're there for someone, when you put yourself out there, guess what happens is that uh, they, in turn, turn around and be a blessing to someone else in the church. There's an enabled, there's a sense of enablement. By the way, 
We call it sin in the Bible when, when we don't conform to the right growth and change in our lives. At, at church, it's, it's labeled as sin. We give enablement to overcome sin because of what Christ did on the cross. And we enable a person to have hope because there's victory in Jesus. There's victory over our sin. And Christ paid for all our sins in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And when Christ died on the cross, the Bible says he spoiled principalities and he rendered the works of Satan useless so that when we go through this life, sin no longer has chains around us. We're free to serve God and do and live for the glory of God. That's enablement. You're going to get enabling here. You go to the counseling and sit on the couch, you're going to get a label. I don't have time to go into the diagnostic and statistical manual tonight, but basically they have to say you're something in order to get paid by the insurance. They have to say it. They have to call you something, and they say, well, you, didn't, you, you just do this because this is your label, and we'll not go into that tonight, but you know that, that doesn't help you. That handicaps you. Well, I'm always going to be like that. I can't get any victory over it because I'm just a, or I've just got, instead of growing and changing towards God's direction. Number six, there's edifying. We're doing good on time. There's edifying. Look at verse number 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ. Do you know in secular counseling, there's a thing called transference. They say that, that you need to keep a professional distance from your client. And, we, and, and certainly I agree, you don't want to transfer any negative emotions on them that you might be carrying a baggage. That's just good common sense. That's good horse sense. Uh, but, but there's this thing of transference that we have to keep a professional distance when we give advice, and that's not God's plan at all. God's plan is that you edify in love. And so you need to put yourself out there. God's plan is that the essential element is that it be the truth in what? In love. That's God's plan. Lastly, seven. Here we are. You know, in this model of counseling that God laid out, he gives us the essence of who we are. Sigmund Freud don't know. Carl Rogers don't know. Uh, uh, F. Skinner, he don't know who we are. He thinks we're behave. He's a behavioralist that think we all just have biology and we can all be just just kind of trained our biological parts together. But but God says uh, God gives us the answer of the mystery of our essence. In other words, we're all spiritual beings. We were born into sin. We went astray uh, from the womb, sinning. We have a sin nature. Look at Ephesians chapter 20, or 4, <laughs> chapter 4, verses 20 through 4. But ye have not so learned Christ, if, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the what church? The old man. And so this this manner of life of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the, what church? The new man, which is after God created in righteousness and true 
and true holiness. It's who you are. You are a new man in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. You have an old nature that dwells, uh, sin dwells within you. I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And the model for growth and change is the put off, put on theory. We don't have time for that, but Really, who we are are sinners that have been made saints, but we have a new nature that we can say yes to because Christ lives within us and will always empower us every time, every time we say yes to Him. Every time. And we have an old nature that dwells within us, and we can yield to it as well. But why should we have to? Christ made provision for our essence. And the world is stumbling for answers. The, wo- the world is wondering. They're going to come up with a new method in the next 10 years. And they're going to they're have more than 550 theories of counseling. But God, God gave us his method. Another quote is, It is vital that Christian scholars develop thoroughly Christian approaches to counseling. The work of the church has suffered from those who promote either hastily baptized versions of a secular model or superficial renderings of biblical models. You know, God's model for growth and change in the 21st century is in our hands. And we say the church generically, but we mean us. You don't need... A degree. By the way, I'm thankful God gives us an equipper that didn't necessarily need to be academically qualified, but God gives moral qualification. He gives the laying of the hands of the presbytery. Uh, He gives the qualification to be in the ministry. And I trust God's outlined method for growth and change. My question is tonight, will you be involved in it? Oh, you can be involved in it. There are so many ways we can go into all that. We don't have time tonight, but Maybe it's through discipleship. That's a start. Maybe it's through discipleship. Hey, listen, every person needs to be investing in another person. Every Christian needs to be investing in another Christian. I've traveled country uh, all over the United States and on deputation, and I've been to good churches, and I've been to churches. And I see some that are sitting souring, stagnant, and they're just soaking. And I wonder, I wonder what would happen if, if the people that knew all this information over all these years would just take some time to invest what they knew. Hey, you don't have to teach a Sunday school class. You just have to teach someone. If they just take a new Christian and invest into them. Hey, that's a good counseling. There are plenty of counseling opportunities in discipleship. If they would take, you know, the Bible says that, you know, there was a time uh, for milk and there was a time for meat and spiritual uh, meat belonged to them or a full age. But it goes on in that same chapter and says there is a time where you ought to have been teachers. But you have need that one teach you again. The first oracles, you know. There's a time that comes along in all of our lives where we ought to be teaching, and I believe this with all my heart, if you're not taking the knowledge that's been given to you and investing in someone else, then not only will you not grow, 
but you'll begin to shrink back in your Christian life. Can we just do this tonight? In the invitation, just say, God, this is your model, and God, I'm your man. I'm your person. I'm the one that you, that, that you were speaking to tonight.